Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. What is up? Good morning, y'all. It is July 1st. We're halfway through the year. How y'all doing on those 2020 New Year's resolutions out there? We have a surprise return guest this morning. I was chatting with my buddy Kieran from Down Under, and he just happened to still be awake. It's like 11 p.m. And uh, he said, yo, let me come on the show. I said, yo, join us on the show. How you doing, Kieran? Yo, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well played. I thought for sure he was going to say, what's that? (laughs) Booyah, Grandma. There it is. (laughs) Tyler, you off to a good start? Yes, yes. I am not awake yet. Uh, My mornings, I don't know. I feel like they've been creeping for a short bit there. Not quite a resolution in 2020, but something that my wife and I started doing, I don't know, probably a couple months in was getting up early before the kids, you know, reading a little book or something like that. And uh, that has definitely lapsed and I'm right back to like falling out of bed into the shower to immediately get to whatever my day has prepared for me with a little bit of here's some food thrown at the kids kind of stuff. So I got to get back on it, sucker. Yeah. Shoot. Get back on it. All right. Cool. Uh, Let's hit the news. What y'all got? What are you looking at? I'll start off. I've got uh, Microsoft has got found um, two bugs that they've just released two critical um, patches for. So this one is in their Codex Codex library. Um, Basically what happens is there's a malformed image. If it gets opened within an application that uses the codec, uh, can allow a remote actor to come in. Yeah. You like remote actors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yikes. So uh, patch Tuesday. Pretty much. Do we have a resolution? Yeah. So they've released two. Yeah, they've released two patches out out of band patches okay. to fix it. So yeah, apparently it hasn't been used yet though. It was privately found. Okay. What'd yeah. you find, Tally? Yeah. So apparently Palo Alto has a bug that's so critical that uh, the U.S. government actually is urging organizations publicly to patch it immediately. Um, on their firewall products, or some of them, it looks like uh, there is a PanOS firmware in their gateways. Uh, so the vulnerability is CVE 2020-2021. And when um, SAML authentication is enabled, so security assertion markup language, apparently they can, uh, there's improvement proper verification of signatures in the PanOS SAML authentication, and it can lead to exposure and uh, upset. So the U.S. government is urging companies to patch it immediately because foreign actors are likely to take advantage of it now. Okay. Well, there we go. Two big heads up right out of the gate. Another heads up for you, uh, for those of y'all that are YouTube TV subscribers and you check your email, you already found out that YouTube TV is going from $49 a month to 65 And I'm actually kind of surprised at the amount of people saying that this is, that they're walking away from YouTube TV because of this for an extra I, 16 bucks a month. I am not surprised. Really? I, okay. I think, I think the fact, like think, think about what YouTube TV and services like Netflix and what uh, Apple is trying to do with, you know, Apple TV and Amazon with Prime Video. 
there was there was excitement around being able to get the content that you want at mm-hmm. a reasonable price instead of sort of the old school methodology of here's everything that we have you get the garbage with the good you pay for all of it so there's there's yeah. nothing even remotely like an a la carte offering right so you saw the youtube tvs come out they seem to have picked really good content you've got netflix they're producing their own they're they're bringing in content they're recycling content as opposed to having it all available all the time and when Google TV started, it was 35 a month, I think. Then it was 50. Hmm. Now it's 65 a month. So it's almost two times what it costs out of the gate. And you have no say in it. There's one service with one price. And their argument is probably going to be just like the cable providers, which is the content providers cost too much for us to keep our price where it is. Sure. There's no pushback on the content providers. That was hope. The the whole goal of cord cutting and getting to this was to say, kill the garbage. We'll pay you for the good stuff. We'll pay an appropriate price for the good stuff, more for the really good stuff, less for the really bad stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and what you're seeing is just uh here's your one offering. Yeah. And the price goes up. That's a good point. Yeah, they're adding channels like BET, uh, CMT, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, Paramount Network, TV Land, and VH1. That's what it looks like, bringing the base plan to over 85 channels. But, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm still surprised because whenever this first came out, it shut off four or five of my family members' cable. (laughs) And now I pay for it, and it gives me TV and five other family members that I have. Five other households for sixty-five bucks a month. I mean, that seems like a deal to me. But yeah, and I think if you're leveraging that way, at leveraging it that way, then the the cost benefit is still huge. Yeah. I wonder how many people are though. Uh, I wonder. I wonder how many people are just paying yeah. for it for their own TV service, right? Yeah, and then it's question. just the the sentiment is is broken, right? The yeah. idea, the idea starts to fall apart. It doesn't look as good. And well, I could uh, certainly go to my family and start hitting them up for cash. Oh sure. <laughs> hey, your rates went up four bucks a month. Come on, pony up, pony up. <laughs> Kieran, y'all don't have YouTube TV down there, right? No, I don't think so. I've not looked looked into it. Yeah, unless you VPN or something. Yeah, although I don't really use streaming services anyway. The only one I use at the moment is Ko, and that's because sports not on any other channel at the moment. So we're watching F one. That's it. Yeah, it's um. But we've got. I mean, we get. Netflix, Stan, and a few others, but no, we don't get YouTube TV. Mm. Sort of limited there. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Uh, I read a cool one. I know we we were talking about the smell of outer space the other day, and <laughs> both Buley and I were aghast at the concept, right? Because the vacuum of space should have no particles to smell. Of course, that's right? not what they were getting at. But something I had forgotten about until I ran into an article that was talking about it is that. There is a ton of solar wind, and solar wind, of course, is just uh, high-energy particles, and then the pressure that is sort of pushed on everything from the sun because of just how much of that particulate is coming out, right? Particulate's a weird way to say that, but think x-rays, other high-energy muons, tons of high-energy particles. Well, Earth is shielded from the impact of all of that radiation because of its magnetosphere. And apparently NASA now has enough spacecraft in different locations that we were able to detect um, 
basically like a windsock-like whipping movement of the tail of our magnetosphere. So if you imagine like a, a ball in a fluid and the fluid is flowing, if, the, if there's a dyed fluid coming at the ball, then the dye kind of wraps around the ball and there's this gap behind the ball that, kind of turbulence. Uh, that forms from the, from the turbulence and in, yeah. from the way that the, the high-low pressures, it's kind of the same way a, a wing would work, right? And that gap behind it, that gap behind it wouldn't have dye in it, right? And yeah. so in in this case, that magnetosphere sort of sock, the wind sock behind it, um, it provides uh, protection for the moon in certain phases of its cycle. And that's when we tend to do experimentation on the moon because equipment doesn't fare as well to all of that solar radiation or, of course, to humans. That's something we've discussed a few times as well. But what they have found is that there are certain solar storms, certain solar events that will send a shockwave of that radiation so powerful that it actually whips that sock out of position. So even when the moon is in an ideal place to send a human to do some stuff, for instance, we can actually see that sock get kicked out of position. Weird. And they were able to record some of the impacts of that by having a few satellites uh, out, it looks like, on the moon, I think if I was reading correctly, or near the moon, sorry, around it, um, that were measuring the impact of that during a period where it was supposed to be good. So it's uh, helping us sort of determine, I guess, the safety standards of where that goes. Hmm. So uh, anyways, I thought that was really interesting. And the article had some really neat visualizations as well because uh, it, it's neat to think about sort of the magnetosphere as just something flapping in space for me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something related to the Northern Lights with that as well. I'm trying to think of what that is. There, That might be, I, I've, I was pretty sure it was the magnetosphere with radiation coming in through the top. And that's how we were getting... Anyway, whatever. I'll look. Yeah, it up. I think it's something like that. There was a there's a GIF that got pushed around for a while back that showed, quote unquote, how a solar flare, for instance, could create the Northern Lights, but then it ended up being debunked. So I'd have to look back into it. The other beef I have is that it's called solar wind, and if we're going to talk about space smelling and there's no air and the <laughs> definition of wind, it's maybe not aptly named. Anyway. Yeah, but it's always been called that. So now yeah. we have it. It's time to change it. Let's change it. What do you want to call it? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking up. <laughs> Northern I mean, I guess you could call it what it is, which is solar <laughs> radiation, but that's confusing because it's also what warms the surface of the earth, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it says when charged particles from the sun strike atoms in earth's atmosphere, they cause electrons in the atoms to move to a higher energy state. When the electrons yeah. drop back to a lower, lower energy state, they release a photon light. Yep. This process Makes creates sense. the beautiful Aurora or Northern lights, but I'm pretty sure it has, where's that? Where's this photo here? The reason it happens at the poles is due to the, the magnetosphere. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Someone come on the show and educate about this. There you go. Let's move on. What else y'all got? Man, I saw an article from a few weeks, uh, weeks, days. I don't remember when I actually read this the first time I've been moving around in our show notes, but um, I, I thought it was interesting because I think I, I mentioned before, my family is getting into the winery and eventually probably distillation business, which is super interesting. This is my, uh, my wife's side of the family. And it's something I get to be part of because I've always enjoyed homebrewing. Now, all of a sudden, I get to do it at scale, which is neat. But the F FDA in the U.S., the Federal Drug Administration, advises people to avoid nine brands of hand sanitizers that were made, <laughs> instead of pr produced with ethanol, they were produced with methanol. 
And anyone familiar with the production of ethanol, which is what goes into the liquors that you drink, things like gin, vodka, whiskey, right? Methanol is uh, it's it's a lighter and far more dangerous um, alcohol that comes off at the beginning and end of that process. The, the tails and the heads of uh, yeah, it's poisonous for it's humans. It's literally poisonous. Yeah, and flammable. <laughs> can kill you. Well, so is ethanol, but can kill you. Often makes people go blind and is absorbable through the skin. So kind of a big deal with the uh, the hand sanitizers. I thought it was interesting. All nine of them are actually produced by a single Mexican firm, Esk Biochem, in, in Mexico City, I guess. But one of the things I took away from that is that I, I hear a lot of hate on the FDA in, in general, especially from sort of, and I don't want to start a war here because I think there's plenty of good in it too, but alternative medicine tends to sort of vilify the FDA and organizations like it. But with out an organization like the FDA, the likelihood of finding out a foreign producer of something like hand sanitizer was using something that is visually identical to a safe product but is not safe would not happen. So thanks, FDA. <laughs> <laughs> That's we, all I got. We, we had the opposite. We had uh, a number of bottles of gin recalled because they were uh, labeled as gin, but they are actually sold with hand sanitizer in them. Uh, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> oh. yeah. So we had a number of distilleries that started making their own hand sanitizer. One of them labeled their bottles with gin instead of um, yeah hand sanitizer and sold them as gin bottles. Oh, so it was a mass recall. If I'm not mistaken, that would not kill you, but gosh, that would make you feel like garbage. Yeah, it tastes terrible too. I, yes. Yeah. Well, at least, and that's the other thing is you're not going to accidentally drink a bottle of hand sanitizer thinking it's gin unless you're three sheets to the wind already, I suppose. (laughs) It's terrible. So that reminds me too, and I have no idea when the FDA was formed or if the FDA is involved in this, but my wife was reading a book some time ago. It's called The Jungle. It's not The Jungle Book, but it's a book (laughs) called The Jungle. It's a novel by Upton Sinclair. Yeah, so it's a 1906 novel uh, by the American journalist and novelist Elton Sinclair. Yeah, he wrote uh, a novel to portray the harsh conditions and exploited lives of immigrants in the U.S. and Chicago. But what's interesting about it, well, I'm sure there's several things, but what reminded me was the stories about what happened in the meatpacking plants in the early 1900s. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I love eating meat, but I... Pretty sure I was a vegetarian for about two weeks after awesome. after reading those parts of that book. I don't know what you might be referring to in terms of people having problems with what they're doing, but in my mind, uh, they changed. Well, whatever. I, I don't actually yeah. know if the FDA was FDA was involved here, but to me, it seems like a good thing because of exactly yeah. what you just shared. I, well, and, and I would argue the FDA probably is better than than it is evil. I think what I tend to see are, are folks. If you've ever picked up something from like the alternative medicine aisles in a in a grocery store, right? Yeah. If you look at the label, you'll say none of the claims on this bottle have been validated by the FDA. Yeah, and they do that because the FDA, for instance, with um, call them natural remedies, uh, homeopathic medicines, for instance, that some of which, by the way, are absolute junk science, complete junk science. Other ones are just like it's ginseng and we're claiming that it does certain things. Those may or may not be true. Um, and the FDA is not going to validate them. So well, who's as a, a result, people that sell something like ginseng and say that it's, it's great for your legs, 
um, they can say that as long as they put an asterisk on the bottle that says it hasn't been validated by the FDA. They can pretty much say whatever they want. And so there are a number of people that will argue that the FDA is a, you know, a corrupt organization that's just the government trying to impose something upon you. And I think that sentiment just comes from I'm trying to make my product as valid as possible. Oh. And so I have to vilify the organization that has forced me to put a label on it that basically okay. casts doubt, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was wondering what the problem is with the FDA. What, what are people complaining about? The only thing I remember recently was people trying to like, you know, they made cookies, packaged cookies, and in the ingredients, they put love, like a made with love. And the <laughs> FDA is like, you can't do this. You can't say that it's well, made with love. Like, what is this? Right, Come on. Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, there's always going to be something it, laws are the same way right at regulation and law when you when you structure it you give it form to enforce it you sort of have to follow the letter and if you don't follow the letter then it's a slippery slope and things fall apart so yes it's dumb that anyone had to take that to court but there's also a good chance someone sued them over it because it's the united states and that's what we do yeah i want my money back and you said it's made with love prove it <laughs> Think about the mental health damages. Give me millions. What does love taste like? It's the only love in my life, and now I'm finding it's not true. Uh, Buy me a house. Yeah. All right, moving on to something that Tyler would be <laughs> excited <you>. by. <laughs> the, um, the Apple developer transition kits. So they're the um, new... <laughs> um, they're, they're the new uh, Mac minis for developers to uh, transition their applications uh, to assist with transitioning their applications from the x86 platform across to the new ARM processor. Um, so I saw that headline and skipped right over it. <laughs> <laughs> I am super curious how this is going to go for them. Yeah, well, um, so what's happened is these kits you purchase for $500 for an access fee and then you've got to return them after what? a year. So at the moment, they're running a A12Z or an A12Z um, model arm, which is in the iPad Pro at the moment. And what's uh, happened is that there is eight, um, yeah, there's, there's eight uh, Geekbench database entries that have come out, which is against the um, Apple guidelines, uh, the Apple uh rules for the um the mac minis and they've now released what those results are so they've come out as a single threaded geekbench result is 801 and the multi-threaded is 2781 which is 20 percent lower than the i3 macbook air single core dang yeah and 38% faster than the multi-core, which isn't too bad, but the uh, higher-end Macs are much, much higher. So it's, it'd be interesting to see what the, um, the real product is when they come out, yeah. whether, whether it's a different chip or, or whatnot. Boring. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Mr. Android himself. I'm totally kidding. That's so as the, you're running really through really that, there's, a, there's an article that says Apple's reportedly evaluating Apple Silicon-powered Mac OS on iPhone. Ooh, ooh, ooh. There you go. Consolidated systems. 
Well, if you so it would apparently allow the user to plug an iPhone into a dock or monitor and then have a full desktop experience. Man, they've been talking about that stuff like that for so long. (laughs) Wasn't that what Windows Phone was supposed to be doing? Yeah, when I can remember that with like uh, with like Team Viewer and stuff like that. I mean, you could just log into your desktop off of your your phone, whatever it was. People said you're going to be able to do that with Chrome OS too, and I actually you probably could, to be honest. I'm sure that that Mm. stuff's out there. Where's Russ when you need him? But um. Yeah, I, that people have talked about that for a long time. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that there's a technical hurdle there. I, I think it's more of a why do I need this hurdle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I get it as as somebody that travels with a phone all the time and usually also has to travel with a laptop. I think I would welcome a consistent OS as long as you get all of that experience. But then the problem ends up being my. Yeah, my have you ever used system. Mac OS? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that on a little like? four inch six inch well, screen whatever That's and obviously terrible. it would not be the same experience that would be awful which oh, means developers that's... are still going to have to develop or to develop two experiences but you might as well just be able to dual boot the thing plug it yeah, into but... hdmi or mm. yeah. display port something like that's that what the journalist photoshop looks like though it's just minimized <laughs> oh, oh. mac os desktop on give me a mouse for my phone now we're talking right. <laughs> exactly Jeez. give me just a second i gotta open this app click click oh man oh, i had a mouse app on my iphone <laughs> for my tv <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey i get it i've used uh spreadsheeting on tablets is, is a catastrophe without a keyboard and a mouse Speaking of spreadsheeting, did you see the uh, the news about uh, where was that? So Google shares details on upcoming Sheets feature that automatically clean up and complete data through formula suggestions and more. That's fancy. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes like I miss the days when I was writing code in Excel cells, and <laughs> then I remember what that means as I say it out loud, and I'm glad that's not my life. Sorry, anybody whose life that is, unless you love it. And then go you. Yeah, it, it's li- like uh, the little preview. If I've never used Grammarly, but I've watched YouTube and seen the ads. It, it looks a little <laughs> bit like that, but just in Google Sheets. It says, hey, it looks like you're trying to do this. Would you yeah. like to do this formula across all these things after you just enter in the first thing? So Man, that's brilliant. On, uh, on spreadsheets. Mm. Yeah, it looks really cool. Well, I Gino... Can- Go ahead. I was going to say, well, Gmail has a similar thing. As you're writing um, thanks uh, in advance, if you start writing thanks, it then goes, do you want to say in advance mm-hmm. at the end? Yeah, yeah so the th- predictive stuff, just hit yeah. tab, complete thought. I want, cool. I want to start a thread with like 40 people, which I don't, I don't think any <laughs> phones do a good job of doing this, but only use predictive text. Like basically <laughs> just say hi, and then you can only pick something from your predictive text to respond. <laughs> That's it. And when you get to a punctuation that's appropriate, you just send it and see what that's like. There's been some some tweet things like that. Like somebody will say. Yeah. Chatbots. Yeah. Well, no, the, it'll be somebody that says, uh, start a tweet with, I'm quitting my job in IT to, right, and finish it with autocomplete. Some of them <laughs> have come out and been pretty funny. Well, there you go. I'm not a pioneer, but I haven't done it myself. I'm one of the today's 10,000, as XKC would tell you. Um, All right. Is there anything else we're talking about? Moving (laughs) on. Okay, good. No, uh, I saw an article that actually digs a little bit deeper into the mapping of the seafloor. So the the project. Mm. What Are we past 19%? Yeah, yeah, probably (laughs) 19.01%. 
No, so uh, anyways, the article was neat. It went over some stuff that touched on the last one, so I won't get into it too much. But um, one of the things that it, it pointed out, or a couple of things it pointed out, I thought were cool. It sort of jumped off the page at me. One was the ocean economy employed over 31 million people full-time and generated $1.5 trillion a year uh, since like 2015, basically. So uh, it didn't have real detailed there, but the, yeah, drug the oceanic assessment and the mm-hmm. OECD reports are estimating that the economy is that big, right? When uh, Malaysian's airline flight MH370 crashed in the ocean, if you remember this a couple years back, yeah. and we couldn't find it, right? Like any of it, we found some debris that washed up later. We still we still have events like that, right? To give you To give you a feel of, why we're even trying to do this. It's not just scientific exploration. There's actually a great deal of uh, good that will come from from knowing what's down there. But it actually talks about uh, a lot of things like um, some of the problems we're having with biodiversity, oceanic acidification, and um, uh, even stuff like tsunamis. Our ability to predict what happens in the ocean is hampered by not knowing what it looks like, basically. So, uh, for instance, earthquakes in certain areas would probably be a little bit more predictable on the tsunami warning side of things if we had a better feel for all of the topography nearby and sort of its its current state. We're nowhere close to that. And then it, it got into some of the stuff that I think is somewhat obvious when you think through it, but it talks about, you know, sort of the adage that we know more about the surface of the moon and some planets than we do about our own oceanic floor. And the biggest reason is that light, does what it's supposed to do in space and it travels far and fast and then it bounces back and we can use it to map surfaces. So send out a satellite or a rover and you can see a bunch of stuff. Well, the ocean is very, very dark and the deeper it is, the darker it is. So light and lasers, the best way for us to do this stuff is completely useless for, for at depth, right? And sound is the best way that we have it. And it actually gets into some of that technology, which was neat, um, but it's slow. And that's yeah. why it's taking us so long to get this stuff done. But it's neat. It's a really neat article. So yeah, I highly suggest uh, clicking through it. Just knowing, like, th- that was mind-blowing. Just knowing that the that plane that went down in the ocean, we're tracking it on radar until it goes off radar, right? And we still could not locate it. Yep. It's no just, idea. It's wild. Yeah, it really is. It gives you an idea just, just how vast the, the world's oceans are, right? Yep, yep. Modern technology is not enough. Well, I feel like Let's we got to talk, talk about this one. Uh, if you are you, do you have a hard stop? No, no. I just I want to keep us moving. Yeah, no. Uh, let's let's talk about Facebook. There, I did it. It's out there. Um, so so the advertising boycott, right? That's been in the news a lot. You've got Unilever. What is it? I think Coca Cola and um, REI. Some other uh, out outdoor wear or outer wear companies uh, have started boycotting Facebook. Um, that was interesting in and of itself, right? This is the, at least the claim from the boycotters are that we're pulling ad revenue away from Facebook and we're doing so because we don't agree with their uh, basically self-policing capabilities, right? Or, or mm-hmm. stance on things, right? They've, they've been in the news a lot for the uh, uh, fact-checking of news and, um, you know, tweets that incite violence as basically, or Sorry, not tweets, Facebook posts yeah, yeah, that incite violence or advertising that puts um, product ads next to inappropriate content has been coming up a lot mm-hmm. in, in different platforms and stuff like that, right? But uh, I read a secondary article that actually 
sort of questioned whether or not the motivations for those advertisers are targeting the right problems. Because a lot of them are just saying Facebook need, needs to fix their policies. Sure. Okay, on the surface, that sounds good, especially if you don't agree with Facebook's policies right now. Except if you read Facebook's policies, the policy's there. It's execution against the policy that's a disaster. Yeah. Only they're not asking for that. And that's interesting in and of itself. And actually, the, the article that I read from The Verge goes into a lot of different things that they could be doing. They could be saying Facebook's too big to moderate itself or... Uh, you know, it's too powerful to do X, Y, Z. Like there are lots of different things they could be doing. They're just not doing those, that they're not asking for those things. But the one that caught me off guard was you hear these these brands, right? Unilever, Verizon, REI, Coke. They are an absolutely infinitesimally small percentage of Facebook's ad revenue. And that that was surprising to me. So brand advertisers on Facebook um, of those brands Unilever is 30th, Verizon is 80th, REI is 90th, respectively. And collectively, they make up less than $100 million in annual ad revenue. Hmm. All brand advertisers on Facebook's platform represents $4.2 billion. And the $4.2 billion is only 6% of the platform's ad revenue. Jeez. <laughs> so it's nothing. So that makes me wonder how... Because when this news initially broke, they were saying that Zuck lost $7 billion in net worth due to this happening. Yes, but I think that was because of market reaction to yeah. to the statement. So they're big enough that people saw it. People saw it and their stock price went down. Yeah. The stock price went down representing a reduce in market capitalization. But what Zuck actually lost is nothing. Not much. Yeah. This this is not a financial hit to their their revenues, which means that when they come out with their next earnings statement, this will be probably a blip, if not completely undetectable, and uh, and they'll be fine. And the other thing it said too is that a lot of this might just be sort of a show, and that's fine. Support your things, do your stuff. But sure. a lot of those advertisers were already scaling back ad revenue, and that's something that we have read over and over again in uh, sort of the COVID era is that yeah. online advertising and advertising in general has has seen a, a sharp decline. So some of this might just be somewhat grandstanding because they were already doing it. Anyways, it was interesting. Yeah, no, you hmm. made some good points there. And since you brought up... Uh, the big book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they apparently shut down, I don't know how many of our listeners maybe used Hobby. I had no idea about this, but just in the news today. It was an experimental Pinterest-like app for documenting personal projects and hobbies. They shut it down. Mm, that's reminiscent of Google's wave. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also talking about Facebook. <laughs> Let's make it three in a row. All good things come in threes. Um, <laughs> fa- uh, Facebook announced the plans to build a new $800 million data center in, I think I'm going to butcher this, DeKalb, is it, in Illinois? Uh, D-E-K-A-L-B, DeKalb. Yeah. It yeah. might be DeKalb. DeKalb? I don't okay. know. DeKalb, DeKalb. I'm not sure. Uh, it must be Australian accent. So they now propose that to be yeah, opened in 2022. Um, so purchased 505 acres for the project and it is going to be 100% renewable energy and you will use 80% less water than other data centers. And that will make it its 12th data center in uh, the U.S. Wow. If you don't know where that city is, uh, it looks like it's 
maybe like 50 miles west of Chicago. Population probably around uh, 50,000 right now. So it looks like they're building this kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and they've done that with a few of the dots. And is, uh... yep. Land is cheap in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it exactly. is. Exactly. So, uh, it's right. supposed to bring create about 100 jobs uh, overall. Power is also a lot less expensive in those areas. And and let me pull that thread for a minute. It, it's inexpensive in those areas because they don't end up running into the problems where demand grossly exceeds capability and you have to purchase at very high prices from other areas. I'll bet it's a lot more predictable in those towns. Mm. Yeah. So they, they basically be. are the demand. So so Facebook well, that, would be pulling it all, all the time. I feel a little unfair saying it's in the middle of nowhere. It's not really the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Australia has a middle of nowhere. This is not middle of nowhere. This is uh, kind of like just outside the the outstretches of Chicago. And uh, there's apparently a university there. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. Uh, if it's if yeah, it's kind of on the edge of Chicago, because I would think that there, there are infrastructure problems for literally dropping it you know, in the bush, if you were. Yeah. <laughs> Might even be a real estate play. Getting 505 acres just outside of the stretches of Chicago. I don't know. I'm going to stop speculating. <laughs> I feel like I'm off Remember my when they built their morning. next one? <laughs> yeah, I went and ran a few miles and haven't really eaten anything. And my brain's kind of falling Blood off. sugar's low and you're losing it. Yeah. All right. We should shut this down. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, we thanks we for hit joining a lot us, of dude. stuff. Yeah. No yeah, worries. We've got 14 minutes before tomorrow, so... <laughs> <laughs> tell us what it's like if the world ends can you give us a heads up yeah i'll send you a text <laughs> thanks appreciate that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right that brings today's tech breakfast podcast to a close we hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did as always if you've got news we missed general feedback or you'd like to join us for a recording let us know thanks for listening thanks for subscribing and we will talk to you tomorrow yeah yeah <laughs> yo 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 <laughs> homie <Bye>, buddy dude <laughs>